Hi, I'm Ian Helms, and this is SEO in 2023. Ian, what's your number one SEO tip for 2023? My number one tip for SEO in 2023 is that quality over quantity matters more than ever. A big mistake that I used to make in a lot of junior content-focused SEOs and agencies make is to focus on output and reaching a certain quota. And I think especially too with the news of the helpful content update that recently started rolling out from Google that this is especially relevant now that we're focusing on making sure that the content that we're producing is high quality and um, we're not just looking at churning out content just to get quick keyword rankings. Okay, so you mentioned the word content there. I was going to ask you if you're referring to content, technical setup, or, or everything, but you're specifically zeroing in on content here. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything because there is a technical piece to any content that you create, right? But definitely more on the on-site content focus piece of SEO is where my expertise lays. And so that's a lot of um, the way that I approach SEO and content. So I think to dive a little further and not just churning out content that includes keywords for any random topic, which again, I see a lot of. Um, it's about thinking holistically about how organic search can fit into a broader integrated campaign, aligning keywords with user intent and your target, what your, cust- uh, your target customers might need, and tying your unique perspective and business values in to offer something more helpful, relevant, and genuine than you would if you're just writing that water's wet for the sake of saying water's wet because there's a keyword that is highly searched <laughs> for water, you know? And that, that also helps you establish a proper breadth and depth in a particular category and allows you then to further demonstrate your expertise and authority in that topic. Superb. Okay, so you mentioned many things there I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into. Holistic campaign, how to tie SEO together with other digital marketing activities, how to ensure that you're matching intent. Um, But I mean, first of all, the type of content that is high quality, is that any particular length or content type? What, What type of content does Google like nowadays? It honestly, this is so cliche of me to say, but it honestly all very much depends. I Whenever I'm creating a new piece of content or looking at launching a campaign that has any SEO component to it, I always, always, always Google the terms that I'm looking at targeting and see, uh, so I can see exactly what Google is essentially telling me that users are looking for because they're obviously doing a lot of testing on their end and making sure that the top rank content is the best in theory. And so by looking at what is ranking, whether it's a how-to or a listicle or you know a specific opinion piece or whatever it might be, that, that that's the type of content that you're modeling, the content that you're creating off of as well. Okay, so so if you've got a keyword mind, uh, keyword word in mind, and you see in the Google SERP that um, you have, as you call it, a listicle, you've got um, an article that's perhaps even resulting in some kind of rich snippet. Does that mean that it would be a mistake in attempting to build some other form of content targeting that keyword phrase for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think explicitly like you would want to avoid doing anything different, right? Because ultimately, what what works best for the user once they get to your site is going to vary depending on you know the line of business that you're in and what you're exactly talking about. But I usually like to think about the primary piece of content and the quality of that, aligning that to what Google is, is sh- showing, but then to think about 
sort of iterations and other formats that, that this content can take. So maybe there is a downloadable aspect that you also link to from that, that page, or maybe there is a completely different, instead of a listicle, you put, to, you put out a how-to um, that you can link to from that listicle as well. But I usually like to use Google as the guide and then to use that as, as sort of the on-ramp and then sort of divert my traffic from there, depending on what I assume that they might be looking for or you know other, other types of content or formats that they might resonate with that isn't just what Google says that they might want. Yeah, so it's, it's a good point. I mean, if Google is already listing a, a certain type of result for a certain keyword phrase, if you're going against the grain, then you're probably going against what Google are actually looking for and making it harder for yourself to rank for that. Exactly. It's not always as simple as that, too. Some SERPs, some search engine results pages have lots of different types of content. I know one of my former clients was in retail and over time the search landscape sort of changed. Um, and so some of the content that we would write that would be more category focused or shopping focused no longer performed. And what Google was now showing was more on the editorial side, like how to style a particular type of clothing or the best materials for that type of clothing that you might be buying. And so it's not just like a set it and forget it once you align on a topic and a content format and you know you have a few different ways that that might fit into other pieces or other keywords that you're targeting that are related. It's about continually checking back and seeing, is this doing what we hoped it would? Has Google changed the way that they're uh, assuming or, or determining that people are enjoying this content or not? And then sort of evolving your strategy from there as well. So how often should you check back? How often should you do some kind of formal analysis of the type of SERP that exists for your target keyword phrases? Yeah, I usually do that on, depending on how much content I'm creating or just bandwidth in some cases, because that time is always a, a luxury that we don't always have. At a minimum, once a year is usually what I do when I'm looking at sort of retroactive content performance. Uh, and it goes back to my original point. If you're thinking about uh, just churning out content for the sake of churning out content because you know that there's a bunch of keywords that are related and this is going to be something that will fill these gaps on your site that Google might want or need. You know, it's you're going to get lost in the shuffle because you're going to be project managing the 20, 30, 40, 50 pieces of content that you're producing every single month. And if you don't take the time at least once a year to look back and see how how well is this content doing, you're going to potentially keep going down the wrong path and you're going to get lost and um, Google is obviously not going to reward you for that and your company or your client or um, you know whatever your situation you are in as an SEO won't benefit from that either. So I do quarterly reporting as well but but when it comes to actually like diving into the content that I'm touching and creating and um, involved in that's that's where that yearly at, at a minimum review would come in. So you mentioned intent earlier on. Is the type of SERP result also an indication of the likely intent of a keyword phrase? Yeah, in most cases, it's certainly not perfect. Um, I know tools like SEMrush and have recently launched new intent-based like keyword markers for when you're doing keyword research, but it's not always perfect, and you can definitely shape the intent. If you're, if you're targeting a broader keyword, for example, you might get into a little bit more of the weeds and some of your secondary or, or tertiary keywords that you're writing about might have a different intent than the broader keyword topic that you're writing about. And so you can sort of 
shift the narrative and help guide people down the journey that you want them to take on your site by hitting the original intent, but then also once they're stuck on your site and you're keeping them there, pivoting them to an area where you you are getting them to do what you hopefully want them to do at the end of the day. And going back to your holistic word, uh, how can SEO more effectively work together with other forms of um, digital marketing, other marketing channels, perhaps email marketing, perhaps pay-per-click, perhaps some other channel? What are your general thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to just start a conversation. A lot of SEOs get siloed or they feel scared about, you know, going over to the paid side of the world because the way that the paid media teams and the organic search teams are treated or seen are often a lot different. The budgets are very wildly between the two usually. And the way that their thinking is often more short-term versus long-term. But by having those conversations, reaching out, extending some olive branches, and even potentially positioning it as a, a testing opportunity to start can be a really helpful first, first step there. I know some of the most successful campaigns that I've been a part of are in, fully integrated across teams. So you're thinking about, okay, here's this search term that we know 10,000 people are looking for on a monthly basis. Here's the structure that this content should have. These are some internal links that we can uh, incorporate to get them to stay on the site. Okay, paid search team, like, can you use this landing page as, as a starting point to create a remarketing pool? Paid social, can you get this in front of people who might not already be searching that, but that might be interested because we know that there are so many people that are already proactively searching for this. And then on the email side, it's sort of twofold, depending on if you're emailing prospects or existing clients, or, you know, depending on if it's a loyalty or a acquisition style of a play. But thinking about what email nurtures are already in place, welcome series, whatnot on the email side, and identifying ways that your SEO related content can fit into that is a really great way to start drawing or create building bridges, I guess, between those different teams. And um, I've only ever seen success when that happens. Um, and then usually that success leads to more excitement, leads to more collaboration and integration. And then you're not just looking at your content from an SEO perspective, but you're able to zoom out and say, hey, this blog post that we wrote or this resource page or this category content ended up not just influencing our organic search rankings, but also drove this much social traffic and this much email traffic and those led to this many conversions. And so you're not just, you know, siloing yourself, you're breaking down those walls and you're able to then get extra buy-in and hopefully get more prioritization when it comes to the next big thing that you want to achieve uh, from an SEO perspective as well. Yes, I think email can also be a great partner to actually help launch your content, whether you've just published a new blog article, podcast episode, e even your YouTube video as well. If you've got a, a list of a few thousand people and you can drive people to that, that sends signals to these different platforms that um, this new piece of content is getting views and it's worthwhile being con considered to get organic rankings moving forward. Is, is that something that, that, that you've done that you'd recommend as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that Email is always one of the more difficult channels that I've found working with, at least on the agency side, because it's often, um, if you're on the top funnel side, or not top funnel side, on the, oftentimes email runs sale content or is really trying to get people to convert. They're on the bottom funnel side, but the content that you're creating from an SEO perspective is usually on the top funnel side. 
And so when you're thinking about that, your content doesn't always naturally fit into that strategy that they have. And so oftentimes they'll just not, they'll just disregard or you won't get the positioning in the email to get the proper visibility to then get the clicks and then it looks unsuccessful even though it possibly was just because, you know, it was hidden at the bottom of a, of a really long email or, or something along those lines. The other challenge too is if you're trying to do like a regular newsletter and you don't have the output, the content output, so this goes back to the quality over quantity, if you're not churning out, you know, four or five or six blog posts in a month, you're not going to have enough to really fill a newsletter in that sense. And so that's when it gets into thinking like, is there evergreen content that we can mix in with this new content? Um, it's not always about the new content. It's about also thinking, you know, retroactive, like we mentioned earlier, like what other content do we, do we have that exists that's already performing well, or that maybe wasn't given the time of day from these other channels that could be tested or distributed on these channels where they had the chance to perform yet and gotten the visibility that they deserve outside of just on the search side. So you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2023. Now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive, something that SEOs shouldn't be doing in 2023? Yeah, well, going, so tying the nice little bow on this, hopefully. One thing that, that people are starting to do or theorizing as part of the helpful content update from Google is to just chop old content from their sites or to just get rid of content that they don't feel is relevant anymore, that maybe is over five years old, for example, I'm just throwing out a number. And it's not as simple as that. I have spoken in the past about how less is oftentimes more when it comes to your organic search visibility and rankings because you're decluttering your site, you're showing Google that what you have on your, on your blog or resource center or wherever is of value and, and the most important and relevant for your audiences. In speaking about that, sometimes my clients or, or others have gotten excited similarly to this helpful content update and then just gone ahead and deleted a whole entire section of their site because they didn't feel like it was important anymore or, um, or because it was just deemed old. And that's not always the case. So it's always about looking objectively at the data. What does it have to say? Is this content ranking? even though it was written 10 years ago, then, then you probably want to still keep it, right? Like um, maybe, the, maybe there's some polishing to be done or maybe even content that's performing lower can just be like repurposed. Oftentimes old content has good bones and was written with good intention, whether or not it had SEO best practices originally put into it. And so oftentimes it's looking at that and understanding like what was the original intention behind this piece and what, where did it fall short and fixing it that way instead of just ultimately getting rid of it uh, willy-nilly <laughs> and, and potentially damaging your, your site traffic or your keyword rankings because you're getting rid of something that was potentially valuable in the long run. Ian Helms is Director of Growth Marketing at QDigital and you can find him over at ianhelms.com. Ian, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2023. Thank you so much, David. Glad to be here. Get your copy of SEO in 2023, the book, over at seoin2023.com. 